Welcome to Your New Life Blend. I'm Shoshana Hecht, and I'm delighted to be speaking with my friend and constant source of inspiration, Amber Riggle. Amber describes herself as mostly just an unconditionally loving mom. And as the mom of a transgender teen in Texas, she has been through it and then some. Did I mention they live in Texas? Amber and her family were investigated by the Texas Department of Family Protective Services for child abuse in 2022 after Texas Governor Greg Abbott directed the agency to open such cases against families like theirs. Amber and her family sued the governor, along with co-plaintiffs, in PFLAG versus Abbott in order to permanently halt these investigations. Amber's going to tell us more about that case and Amber's work for loving families to live in peace are ongoing. And Amber uses her voice constantly to uplift this cause. She's in the national mix of this conversation and has been for what I'm sure has seemed like a very, very long time to her. Outside of the never-ending national headlines, Amber is a small business owner of Soma Massage Therapy. Its tagline, self-care is how you get your power back. So even Amber's other family business fits right into the central Your New Life Blend question of how do you build the life you want? even when the world is coming at you with all it's got. And remember to take care of yourself in the process. We are so, so lucky to have Amber with us today to tackle all of it. Welcome, my friend. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me today, Shosh. This is just awesome. Thank you for saying yes. <laughs> I always love talking with you. Any chance I get? Yeah, same, same. <laughs> um, it's fun to talk about all the things. And, of course, I clearly love chatting with Texans. It's <laughs> like... Being from Houston myself, right? <laughs> I think in part because I know how great Texas can be and also how tough. Yeah. I actually, there's actually a lot that I really, really love about this state. How do I say this? I really love the town that I'm in. I love the state. Mm. I do not love the politics, but there is a lot to love about this great state. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel yeah. the same way. I truly have so much love, so much frustration about how we make space for everybody, yeah. no matter who yeah. we are and how we, you know, want to yeah. live and love. So North Star of the show is very much like designing your life and how you do that in the face of whatever comes your way. So there's a million ways we could start. Where do you want to start? Well, we could talk I know. About I don't, this is your show, Shoshana. Like what, mm. what do you want to talk about? I mean, I want to talk about all of yeah. it. Let's start with the court case okay. and what it means to, you know, have that layer on to a very busy yeah. life. How much one would cover the whole thing, like start to finish? Mm -hmm. Well, the investigation is context, yeah. right? I mean, you and your family investigated for yeah. child abuse. That case was dismissed because there was no abuse, right? And no evidence of abuse. And so then you and other co-plaintiffs, uh -huh. right? Yep. So the governor. Yeah. So, yeah. So let me briefly, in late February of 2022, my former dinner guest, a state mm -hmm. attorney general, criminally indicted, now impeached, Ken Paxton, yeah. came and had dinner in my home in 2016. Six years later, found himself in a really contentious primary battle, penned a legal opinion stating that parents of transgender children are child abusers and should be investigated. Uh, we then passed that opinion off to his good buddy, Greg Abbott, who then directed Texas Department of Family Protective Services to investigate. 
trans-inclusive families on the suspicion that they may or may not be providing gender-affirming care for their kids. And we can talk about gender-affirming care later if that's relevant to the program, but whether or not you were providing gender-affirming care to your kids, you could be investigated. And that these overworked, underpaid social workers who worked for Texas DFPS must investigate. They had to use their resources to investigate. They could not turn these cases down. And mandated reporters yeah. like teachers and whatnot had to, yeah. were required to report. I know trans-inclusive families, parents of trans kids who were like terrified to even take their kid to a doctor for a checkup because it would like trigger. Yeah, it was awful. Awful. So within 24 hours, I had a call from a CPS worker who said she was a half an hour away. Within 30 minutes, I was able to line up a lawyer and get my husband. And she actually visited here at my office where I'm recording this right now. Two days later, came to my home and investigated us. I was able to secure a lawyer then also for my children because I didn't want them to be alone in that room with a Nazi, an agent of the state who was there to threaten mm -hmm. my family's integrity. Before she left, she did say that we had wonderful children, that we were doing something right and left. And our case remained open for more than three months regardless of her statement and finding that there was no abuse. During that time, I was approached by some lawyers from Lambda Legal who said, would you like to sue the governor? And I said, I thought you'd never ask. By God, yes, please. <laughs> so we absolutely joined that lawsuit. PFLAG is the plaintiff and we are co-plaintiffs in that along with, I think, two or three other unnamed families. Our child abuse case investigation was conveniently closed just a few hours before our case was set to be heard in Travis County Courts. Travis County is where Austin is. And we remained as plaintiffs anyway because we'd suffered irreparable harm. Irreparable mm -hmm. harm. Like you do not, you don't traumatize someone like that. And then the state argues that we didn't experience any harm because our children weren't taken away from us. Like, I'm sorry, I had a $15,000 legal bill. We're all in therapy. I still have nightmares. Like, mm -hmm. it was irreparable harm. You do, not, you do not do that to families. And so we sued and we won a temporary injunction. So now these cases cannot, uh, any cases that are still open cannot move forward. They can't collect more information on these families, they being Texas DFPS, mm -hmm. and they cannot open new cases. They cannot start any new investigations. That is pending the outcome of our trial, which is set to be heard sometime in October. Um, and so that is, that's where we're at with this. It's shocking. It's shocking. Obviously, based on yeah. my reaction. And I know the story, Amber. Like, I know the story. I've read the story. I've, we've talked to you about the story. I know the story. And it is, it is shocking, just the idea. And when you frame it that way, when you think about kids and their parents, but families of this situation of like just not knowing what every minute is going to bring and if you're going to be able to stay together. It's just those little things like after she left and we kind of exhaled a little bit, like no one was led away in handcuffs and, you know, the kids didn't have to pack up their bags. And I don't know, like going to bed that night. I mean, I hardly slept, but there was something really the little things you take for granted that all four of us were under the same roof as we were tucking mm -hmm. our kids into sleep. It's like the little things you just mm -hmm. kind of take for granted until it suddenly gets threatened in such a extreme and horrifying way, you know? And the realization that you were even holding that, yeah. that fear that your kids might not be sleeping yeah. under that mm -hmm. roof that night, that you just exhale that. And then I can just imagine a cascade of like, you know, yeah. all the emotion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And irreparable harm because, you know, like you say, the bill, the money, set aside the money, just like the, the damage to undo. Yeah. You don't undo it. You just work through it. 
right? Yeah. You can't undo yeah. what's happened. You're quite right about yeah. that. Thanks for that clarification. Explain a little bit. I think it's helpful for people who don't know who are listening about gender affirming. Yeah, I, man, we could do a whole season on this, right? So whatever you're hearing from legislators is false. They have a political agenda. Trans kids and parents of trans kids and their doctors do not. So there's lots of levels to gender affirming care. It can be as simple as a haircut and pronouns, right? I'm caring for your gender identity by acknowledging who you are and bringing you in for that short haircut if you're a trans boy. You know, I'm, you know, we're going to use your chosen name and your correct pronouns, you know, and affirm you in who you are. And that's simply called a social transition. And so kids who have not reached the age of puberty experience social transition. In fact, many transgender adults before they begin their medical transition also experience a social transition where they're outwardly expressing their gender identity to the world, right? So trans women will start dressing perhaps more femininely, trans men will perhaps dress more masculinely. And I think it's important too for listeners to understand that a person does not have to transition at any stage in their life in order to be transgender, right? So trans kids, a lot of, you know, many of them, my son included, now have the resources and the support and the affirmation to transition at a very early age. But there's plenty of trans adults who do not transition until later in life, their 60s, their 70s, right? Some people may never transition because mm -hmm. they just don't have the safety to do so. That does not make them any less trans and it doesn't make them not trans, right? So transitioning is not a prerequisite to being transgender. But a social transition is something that a lot of younger children will experience. It's completely reversible. It's name pronouns the way that they dress, right? Later on, as a child approaches puberty, they have the option of being prescribed hormone blockers, which are completely reversible. Cisgender girls are often prescribed the exact same thing, even at a younger age, right? Seven or eight years old, cisgender means not transgender. If a cisgender girl is experiencing precocious puberty, getting her period at the age of eight, she'll be prescribed these puberty blockers. And yet people question when a 12-year-old transgender girl four years older, goes on the exact same medication, like, oh, bone density, it's not reversible, blah, blah, blah. Like they just, I mean, it's clearly targeted. <laughs> these bills are clearly targeted to discriminate mm. against trans kids. Anyway, these blockers just push the pause button. It's prescribed mm. to children who experience gender dysphoria, completely reversible, uh, under the care of a doctor. There's, you know, multiple blood tests and bone density tests and all sorts of things to make sure that this child is still maintaining a level of health while taking time to just kind of decide what comes next. At a later age, maybe say 15, 16 years old, transgender children then who are on these blockers, these teenagers really, these young adults now have the option to be prescribed either estrogen for trans girls or testosterone for trans boys. This is done under the care of a doctor. This is 100 years of medical research on this. This is not new science. Then that trans girl will develop breasts instead of a beard. Surgeries are almost never done on transgender minors, almost never does that ever happen? And in fact, when trans youth are able to, let's say like a trans boy is able to be prescribed testosterone in his teenage years, that will save him from a lot of those surgeries. He won't need to have top surgery later as an adult because he never developed breasts, right? Trans girls may not need to have that facial feminization surgery because they developed more female, more feminine characteristics because they're on estrogen. So in other words, when you hear politicians talk about they're chemically castrating six-year-olds and they're cutting off healthy body parts, that literally is not happening. That is fear-mongering 101. I cannot think of another group of Americans 
who has to literally fight for their access to like life-saving healthcare the way that transgender children do. I don't even know a dozen, 14. I don't know how many states have passed gender-affirming care bans. Like you don't pass a ban on knee surgery or chemotherapy or insulin, right? Why are we taking medicine away from transgender mm-hmm. children? It's just, it's truly inhumane. Right. Well, just structurally and societally, it's so far afield from people's comfort level and they have a hard time getting there. It's amazing to me. There's so much that I like I know and I've already learned from you. And I just had a whole lesson again, like a whole new set of information. It's amazing to me, like what an expert you are in all of this. And out of necessity, of course, and out of love for your family. But I think often about what an unexpected journey, right? Just going back to like how you design a life, given like all this. This is, you know, we have children and we have no idea. what's going to happen. They are small humans, right? They are not dolls, right? They are just like, they are tiny people with, they are who they are, right? And they're on their own journey. And I think our job is to help them become the humans they're meant to be. And clearly that's what loving parents do and what you are doing. And all of this, the unexpectedness, all of this, you are a business owner, you are a family person. How do you build a life Mm. of joy and intention in spite of and maybe because of Amber? Like I'm just there's lots of layers to that. One, I have a fucking amazing husband who has been by my side with this. Whether it was me totally going out on a ledge and being like, I want to start my own business. What does that mean for us financially? Like, what does that mean for our parenting roles? Right. Like there were years when I just could not participate in family things because I was constantly answering the phone. For my small business, I own a massage studio and you know, we're by appointment only. So that phone's ringing all the time because people are stressed out. Right. And like I didn't have have a front desk staff to answer the phone. Like it was me at my kitchen table, like answering the call for years. So I had an amazing husband who supported me with that. But then also when our son came out to us, he was six, almost seven and stated that he is indeed a boy and that we need to start taking this seriously. I told my husband and he obviously had some questions, but supported not only our son, but then supported me and the advocacy work that needed to be done living in the state of Texas, raising a transgender child. Right. And so number one, you know, I choose to surround myself with people who support me and ask the right questions in respectful ways to kind of keep challenging me to do better and to elevate myself, like not my profile, but spiritually, financially, emotionally. Years of therapy have helped. It is awful reading the comment section about what kind of parent people think I am, what kind of child they think I have, all the mental illnesses we've been diagnosed with by internet trolls and their mom's basement. Without a lot of therapy, that really can get to you. Like, I want to read the comments because I want to see what people are saying. And probably many of them are lovely. It depends. Like on my social pages, I do a pretty good job. I want my social pages to be, I want them to be safe spaces for parents and trans youth to come to. So my spaces are pretty, they're the good. I block people. I delete people. I report things all the time. But when the Washington Post does another piece or USA Today or whatever, like that's just open to the general public and the general public is mean. And so having lots of therapy so that I know my self-worth definitely is critical. In fact, I was talking with my therapist recently about this. She's like, why haven't you moved from Texas? And she understands, like I've written multiple op-eds on this. Like she understands why I haven't moved. She's like, but why haven't you moved? And I'm like, we started Mm -hmm. talking about it. And we both kind of realized my life was actually pretty good. My small business is very successful. My marriage is very solid. You know, I've got lots of great friends. My children have great friends. They're supported with who they are in school. Our church loves us. We're engaged in our community. If we didn't have this bullshit coming from Greg, Abbott, we would be fine. Mm -hmm. We would be Mm -hmm. fine. We just have these like bubbles of love and safety 
where we are. We just keep trying to grow more bubbles and get them bigger and fill them with as much love as we can. And I don't know, hopefully it just kind of, I won't say it blocks out the rest, but it certainly helps buffer it. I think you named it right there in a variety of ways. I mean, life is like that, right? In varying degrees, the waves come. Yeah. We cannot control what comes our way. But what do we do about it? And Mm -hmm. the infrastructure that you have built, I think, is around you of love and like being particular about who is allowed in, Uh right? Uplifters, not trolls. Uh Trolls who've never met you will say whatever. And I think that's a powerful note for all of us, right? It's a powerful lesson is like you actually can control who you allow in, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I will say too, it's, I really like being in my mid forties and being a small business owner because I'm the boss. I'm the one that gets to make decisions. Who do I bring on my team? What kind of energy do I want in my life? You know, where do I want to put my energy? I think there's something magical that happened. I don't know if it happens to a lot of women or I don't know, but like when I turned 40, I was like, shit, I'm a grown up now. Like I can do what I want and then seeing my business grow despite COVID, right? I run a massage studio. We sell physical touch. You can't do it from six feet away. It's primarily, you know, I primarily employ women because 85% of massage therapists are women. And a lot of women is you and a lot of your listeners now lost our careers during the pandemic. And to see my business continue to thrive despite all that just gives me a lot of confidence, I guess, in my decision making. And yeah, it just, I don't know, like I like, I really like where I'm at in my life because despite all the attacks being thrown at me constantly, I feel like I still have some degree of control because I am choosing where to put my energy and I'm choosing what energy to I'm in. And I wish I would have had this wisdom at a much earlier age. It's not like it would have made my early adult years a lot more fulfilling. You've spoken to me about how proud you are of the business you've built and the team, the business and also, but also the team, like very specifically non-toxic, very specifically healthy culture. And I think, again, how do you use your voice, use your talents, use your skills, use your boundaries to create spaces that enhance your life? I have nothing to add to that. That was so perfectly said. I think how you specifically take all this swirl of the world and the governor and being the target, I think I made an example of for sure, and how you have converted that into filters. I know who I am. I know my self-worth. It truly does not bother me when someone I've never met judges me based on what they read in an article or what their far-right, anti-equality Republican legislator told them about parents like me. I really give two shits about that because I know who I am. What bothers me is when those anti-equality, far-right extremist GOP legislators then try to pass laws that limit my freedom as a parent, my child's ability to access sports teams or healthcare, or even remain with his family. That's what gets to me. And that's what I keep fighting back against. I can't change everyone's minds. I can't make everyone like me, but I can at least fight for trans kids. And I'm just going to just throw it all out there. Just give all of myself to this cause to save as many lives as I can. And if people want to attack me, it's better than attacking trans kids. We're so lucky to have you. So talk a little bit about just broadly the infrastructure of bigotry I mean you just touched on it. that's rising all around the country and like I mean it does God I just gave a talk about this last week about just the number of anti-transgender bills that have been popping up across the country I think USA Today I think had a count of like 650 anti LGBTQ bills and I think like 80 percent of them I could be wrong about this with these specific numbers but perhaps 80 percent were specifically targeting the transgender community even if those numbers are wrong the point is this is a nationwide epidemic and so when people ask moms like me why don't you just move I like to show them a map 
of all the states in the country that have passed anti-transgender laws, whether it's books, pronouns in schools, sports teams, medical bans, anything like that. This is a nationwide epidemic. And the only way that we get out of this is by responsible and positive storytelling, which then changes hearts and minds, which then hopefully will lead to federal legislation such as the Equality Act. But it's just been an onslaught. You know, in 2015, when the Supreme Court ruled that marriage equality was the law of the land, then the far right had to find another target. And they just went for the next letter and the LGBT rainbow and started attacking trans people, then later trans kids, then later their, you know, their parents and their doctors. And now we're just seeing state after state after state pass these just truly genocidal bills that are really only going to result in body bags and moving bands. And it's just atrocious. Yeah. I just have such a firm belief yeah. that why are we taking rights away? So when people say to you, just move, I hear that. Like, it feels like an easy solution. Like, and uh -huh. Texas does feel particularly on the attack, the politics. And it's just not isolated to the LGBTQ or trans community, right? I think the intersection of bodily autonomy rights, reproductive justice, it just feels like the solution is like, how do we help people have equal rights, right? Because it affects actually all of us. If the state can threaten my parental rights, mm -hmm. Right. I'm a business owning woman, college educated, married to a white man. Right. Living in the suburbs, tax paying, property owning, God fearing woman. Right. If the state can literally send an agent into my home to investigate me and threaten to take my children away, if they can do that to me, they're absolutely coming for you next if they haven't already. And I think people need to understand that, like, if you fought for marriage equality, if you fought for women's rights, if you fought for civil rights, like if you fought for any of this in the last half century, like this is the same fight. This is the same fight. It's not just trans kids. It's, as you said, reproductive justice. It's contraceptives. It's same-sex marriage. It's interracial marriage. It's all of this. They're absolutely coming for our personal liberties, our freedoms as Americans and as Texans. This does not end with trans kids. Trans kids are just the canary in the coal mine. We have to do something, all of us together. That's right. Liberation bound up in each other's liberation. As a Jewish woman, I just feel that like so strongly because I feel very much we have to all be in the fight against all hate together. It's a big driver for me. I wanted to make sure that we connected the dots for people because I think that's real. That's something that really, really lands with me and that I like to just repeat, which is like we really belong to one another. Yeah, I agree. And helping each other and uplifting each other. Do you want to talk about business, like what it's like building a business against this whole backdrop? So I've been a massage therapist since 2004 and never intended on building a business. I was just going to do this. And then I just got to the point where I had more demand than supply. And so I started small. You know, I hired somebody whose work was similar enough to mine mm -hmm. that when I was booked, which was pretty much every day, I could send my clients over to her. We shared a spare bedroom in my home. You know, when I wasn't working, she would come in and work and then she got busy and it just kind of took off from there. My business now turns 10 in November. I feel like we're just now three years later coming out of COVID as a business. This recession that's not a recession mm -hmm. certainly doesn't help. People just have less money to spend. And so they're coming in to see us less frequently for massages, but it also opens the possibility to attracting new clients because, yeah, that's based now. It has been a real challenge. It's absolutely been a real challenge. I'm still paying off my economic impact disaster loan, the idle, the whatever. There's an SBA loan that I took out three years ago, uh, still paying that off. But we've done pretty well. We took COVID seriously, which a lot of Texas businesses did not. I think that really worked in our favor. 
because people felt safe. For many, many months, we did not have a single case of COVID that was transmitted between our therapists and our clients because we were hardcore with our masks. We did a really good job. It was exhausting. I never want to do it again. Uh, but we came out even stronger on the other side. And I just, had you told me when we closed in March of 2020, that my business would be in a beautifully renovated space, you know, just a few blocks from downtown with ample parking and a staff twice the size that we had. When we closed, I never would have believed you, but we're, we're doing really good today. And I have to say, uh, regular massage is also a great way if you're going to be suing the governor of Texas to uh, take care of yourself. Weekly massages really help with the stress level for sure. Yeah, exactly. That really speaks to like the whole, I don't know, living like really stepping uh -huh. into all the parts and taking good care of yourself is part like what did I read was the tagline self-care is how you get your power back I really do feel like it's in part that's how you've built this fully intentional uh -huh. life where you're able to uh -huh. take the don't give AFs and don't give a box and then and like also because that's the gas right yeah now, to help you raise your voice plus your kids the mama bear right I would hope that any parent would do anything that they had to do to protect their kids. I'd never in a million years would have imagined I'd be the parent of a transgender child, let alone one of the most recognizable parents of a transgender child in the country today. But when my kid needs something, I'll walk through fire, I'll move mountains. Like, what do you need? Let's make sure that you can grow into being the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. I mean, that's not really a choice. It's just my job as his mom to do that. But if I want to stay in this fight, yeah, it's what are the different layers that I need to build to buffer myself, to protect myself, to care for myself. I'm certainly not perfect, but with my wisdom and my old age and my battle wounds, I've learned along the way how to surround myself with good people and see my therapist regularly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just nailed it. It's beautiful. Amber, how can we find you, follow you, connect with you? Um, you know, learn from you. Where do you want us to follow you on? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so you can find me on Facebook. I'm just my name, Amber Briggle, and then Instagram and Twitter, uh, which is an absolute dumpster fire, but that's still where people are. I'm just at Mrs. Briggle in both of those places. I don't, I wish Instagram is so lovely, but I post so many articles. I'm not on Insta very often. So really Facebook and Twitter is really where you can find me. Oh, and I also, sorry, and I have a website too. It's lovetothemax.net. And it's got a bunch of resources on there. I was like just, yeah, scouring that this week. Thank you so much for being here. You are amazing. I'm, I'm you know, just a monster fan, as you know. Aw, it's mutual. Thanks so much. This has been fantastic. It's been awesome talking with you. And this has been Your New Life Blend. I'm Shoshana Hecht. And just reminding you, as ever, to be gentle with yourself. <laughs> <laughs>